Grace, mercy, and peace be and abide with each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the one who loves us unconditionally. Amen. I wonder uh, if any of you out there are myopic. You know, the uh, concept, or if you look at the real definition, it talks about being nearsighted, but if you dig in a little bit further, I, I'm using it in more of the context of the definition where it talks about, you know, narrow-minded, you know, utterly focused. Um, it's almost like it's describing you have blinders on. You have a, a task before you, you have a, a goal, you have some agenda, and, and when that's before you, that's it. You won't allow anything else for the most part to interfere with that which you are focused in on. And you know, certainly there are times when that can be a very positive and a wonderful thing. When you're doing something that's dangerous, something that really needs your complete attention, or you're trying to complete a task, or, or even holding fast to your values when the world around you is changing before your very eyes. There are indeed times when us being myopic is of great value. But there are many people who live this way. They have a task, they have a, a passion for something, and they won't let anything interfere with it. But you know, it can also be detrimental. Examples include, how about when children are left by even their own families to fend for themselves? How many children do we find today that's gone far beyond the latchkey where, you know, they fend for themselves, including at times of what to eat, whether they have uh, sufficient or even proper clothing to wear, and it's a no fault of their own. And we find uh, us doing that often not just to children, but to others as well, those who we are, you know, closest to. Because we have some agenda, some objective before us that we end up missing the realities in the lives of those around us. You know, I think some would say that Jesus was myopic. You know, he was headed toward Jerusalem. He, he had his sights and his eyes and his heart set on going to Jerusalem that there he would suffer and die for the sins of the world. He was so focused on his mission. But on his way toward Jerusalem... Jesus did not lose sight of what was going on around him. Yes, at times there were those who truly did try to, you know, sidetrack him and distract him and, and maybe even get him off course because they were afraid of what it might mean. But Jesus continued to see those around him. And so that brings us to today's gospel reading from Luke chapter 14. Jesus, along the way, is invited into a prominent Pharisee's house for a banquet. I think most of us would probably do the same thing. 
even though at times you knew that they were out to get you, and even here it records that they were watching him carefully, but you get that opportunity, you take it. Jesus took it. For a moment, I want you to hear, to focus or consider what the host is doing. He's making sure that everything is just right. He's focused upon who is there, where they should sit, and who is the most important so that they can sit in a position of you know, recognition and be nearest to him. And notice in doing so, his view is limited, and he misses what's going on. He misses what's really happening in the lives of those around him. Jesus, on the other hand, he is totally aware of those around him and what's happening. He's not worried about his place of prominence. As a matter of fact, he carefully, it even notes, is watching those around him. Why? Not like them, not trying to trap them. He's watching them because that's Jesus. He cares. He's all about relationships, and he loves those who have need. And so our text goes on to say, there in front of him was a man suffering. And nobody, nobody's doing anything. Nobody's talking to him. Nobody's engaging him. Nobody's asking him, how's it going? Uh, nobody's asking him how we could help you. Nobody. They're not paying attention to him or anything. But Jesus, he sees him. He looks right at that man. He really sees him, his need, and it says he takes hold of him and he healed him. The Pharisees, the religious, they don't get it. They're probably wondering themselves, why is he bothering with him? All they see is how others can benefit them, how what they do or don't do will impact them. They see the need, but they don't see someone for them to love. They see the need, but they don't see someone there to love. And here's the contrast. Jesus not only sees the man, he sees the need. He sees him for who he is. And he has compassion. And Jesus reveals that truly we are to not only see others for what they can do for us, but see them as those we can love. Jesus goes as far to say, go out and invite the poor, crippled, lame, and blind. Now that's no who's who list, is it? Go out and invite the poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind. That's a, a list that includes you and me. 
We who are poor, miserable sinners. We who are crippled by our sin and Satan's deception. And we who are blinded by our own self-righteousness. I love how the Lord told uh, Samuel in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. I love this. I love this because it reflects how Jesus lived and how he also looks upon you and me. It's not about what we've done or even failed to do. It's not about who we're associated with, and it's not about us looking like we have ourselves all together. Jesus looks at the heart. He knows the, the true us, and yet he still has compassion upon us and he loves us. And certainly that gives us every reason to rejoice and to worship him. But wasn't Jesus also here challenging the Pharisees then and us to also consider how we are to live? I believe he was. Not because somehow it makes us acceptable to him, but because we honor him by responding to his love and doing what he commands. I would like you for a moment to think, are you looking at those around you, but really not seeing what's going on in their lives and how you could come alongside of them in their situation. How would you respond to Jesus saying, go out and invite the poor, crippled, lame, blind to your home, or even to bring them here to amazing grace? You know, there are a lot of places a pastor cannot answer I can walk you through Scripture. I can have the Holy Spirit do for you what He often does for me, which is prompt me, challenge me, refine me. A few areas right now, I think this is very real. The greater divide in our nation between, you know, the poor and the wealthy. How about the realities of a global economy and the migration of people around the world. You know, we're, we're not alone in facing this reality. How, as people of God, are we somehow called to understand and to do what Jesus did and to look at the heart? Now, did you hear what I said? There are areas I don't have an answer. But there are areas that we need to wrestle with where our faith truly comes into play in those situations. Because it's meant to. 
Our faith is not just saying, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Our faith shows up in our lives. It shows up in how we look at each other, how we treat each other, how we care for each other. I know in this world there's no simple answer. A reading from Hebrews, I think, think builds off of Jesus repetitively telling us, love our neighbors or obey the law of love. Verse 1 says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters and do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Boy, that little phrase, as if, really puts us right there, doesn't it? As if you were there in prison with them, as if you were there with them being mistreated. Now, how are you going to respond? All this is hard to accept. We want to say, you know, Jesus, you just don't understand. You don't know, you know, how it is today. You don't know who you can trust. People will take advantage of you, Jesus. Well, what am I going to get out of it anyway? And consider again the teaching given in verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Hmm. I'm glad no one rejected me because of my sinful condition, my fallenness, my poverty or need. The actions of the Pharisees sound cold to us. But maybe that's only perhaps because we don't translate their actions very well into our lives. Speaking about the Sabbath to someone who has no Sabbath, that's kind of hard to translate. Speaking, you know, uh, or asking whether we see those in need as those that we love seems to strike closer to the heart. When we look at those around us with problems and difficulties, do we feel annoyed? I'll let you answer that. Do we grow weary of the help and assistance that we give to others, especially to those who come with problems but don't listen to our advice? Do we find ourselves rationalizing that we have to set boundaries or that we must not be enablers when, in fact, we simply lack love? Jesus cuts through the deception and our deception, and he points to the true problem. If it were someone they loved, they would act. If it were their ox, he says, or their beloved son, then they would not see a problem. They would see someone for them to step up and love and help. 
Jesus here moves us to this to a personal level. It's not just a theoretical person now, but someone they love. And how would they respond if it was their son or their animal? You know how it is when you've been confronted with something and you kind of feel caught? Notice how they responded. The text says they had nothing to say. They couldn't defend themselves. For them, they don't see someone they love, so they believe they can act later. Maybe. On the other hand, Jesus sees someone he loves, and he must act immediately and show this love. So he heals the man, and he sends him away healed, restored, and refreshed. Jesus doesn't wait. He acts because he loves. And Jesus, he sees us, and he acts. He does not delay in healing us. He does not delay in restoring us. He does not delay in forgiving us. He acts. He does not put off our needs, our pain, or our problems until a later date. And this is because Jesus sees us and he acts out of love on our behalf. Can I ask for you to honestly respond to this? Have you experienced Christ's love in your life? How about this morning? Have you, in our worship, experienced Christ's love? Here's my question that goes with that then. I'm sure the answer is yes as you ponder the confession and absolution of your sins. But did you deserve it? We didn't. And so knowing the Lord has seen your heart, the real you, and yet still loves you, how should you and I respond? May I suggest that we live in that love, live in that love of Christ, and then share it. These words from Amazing Grace's mission statement are nothing new. They're not some grand scheme or plan that we came up with. They are a response to what the Lord always wanted us to do, to daily experience His love daily experience it, and to live in it in every area of life and to share it with those around us, regardless of who they are or where they've been. As a congregation, we have several areas that we live this out, and we do it quite well, but it's an ongoing process. We need to be reminded of this is why we do what we do. Our early learning center, it's about meeting those families in the midst of not only a tangible need, they need a place for their child, but we have many families who are single parents or broken households or you know, children that you know, are not in the best of situations, and here every day they get love unconditionally. 
And why do we have our partnerships with the schools in the area? Because it's an opportunity for us to come alongside of them, and sometimes in a very subtle way, but in a way to love them and to look at them and say they are of value, they are worth, and God loves them. This week, preparing for our team of 11 headed to uh, Costa Rica to build a home for a family. And there is no doubt, there is plenty of need right here, right? But Jesus tells us, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, your state, and beyond to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's an all. We go, we serve, because this way we get to come alongside of them and show them again the unconditional love of God who sees them in their need. Living like this may scare us or seem even unnatural, but hear this from Hebrews. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So my dear friends, let's rejoice because God has looked right at each of us. He's looked right into our hearts and he has loved us and every day he does this and he meets our very need. And then may we as an empowered people go as those who have been sent to invite others and to love others. In Christ's name, amen.